Hey traders, welcome to the 37th podcast. It's uh, racking up pretty quick. Also want to say Merry Christmas to uh, maybe everyone in the East who is already enjoying the 25th. Right now it's still 2.43 on the 24th, so we're in uh, Christmas Eve here, but we're coming at you with a nice lunch, uh, lunchtime kind of podcast before our normal late night podcast. So hopefully you are enjoying uh, your Christmas Eve. So in this podcast video, however you are consuming uh, this content, we are going over a little bit of SEC news, talking a little bit about Ripple and uh, some of the exchanges and the difficult situations that they're currently in. We'll look at uh, a mayor that is pro-crypto in the United States, which is really great to see. And then we'll talk about Andrew Yang uh, possibly running in some state, which we'll discuss in a little bit later. And then talking about Japan a little bit, and then we're going to end off with a scammer going to jail as well as uh, a little bit of bullish news in the institutional space. So thank you again for joining us again for the 37th podcast, and I'll pass it over on to Nathan. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Happy holidays wherever you may be on planet Earth tuning in. I appreciate your time. So just jumping into the first story, we have more SEC crackdown as they are fining a company crypto called ShipChain for $2 million as they conducted an unregistered token offering and the company agreed to seize all operations. This was in response to the cease and desist order. And in addition to that $2.05 million penalty, basically this company was an information logistics solution kind of working on that aspect of the blockchain. And the sale of ship tokens was with Bitcoin, Ethereum, or stable coins. And it was not registered with the Security Commission and nor was it uh, approved for exempt. So basically, SEC is laying the hammer down on this smaller crypto. I personally had not heard of it until this news article popped up, but it really just fortifies that the SEC is bringing the hammer down on this quote-unquote unregistered security. Yeah, they are uh, definitely bringing a Christmas present of regulation, which, like we talked about in the previous episode, is needed, but I do think a lot of projects and companies that are in kind of the gray area uh, that have been operating in a situation that isn't really regulated at all. It's like the Wild West. So uh, obviously with regulation comes trials, tribulations for the companies within the actual sector. But with the adoption and regulations will come the ability for investors to have more confidence when they are investing. So you know, there's not a Mt. Gox or a Quadra CX or any other exchange that uh, is very unfortunate to the investor. So I do think it's a positive thing. Uh, one other thing we will be talking about within the SEC is there actually is a new chairman that is appointed. Uh, he does have some positive outlooks on cryptocurrencies in terms of regulations. He's a vocal supporter of re regulations, so I do think it is useful. Uh, he is chairman Roseman or Roisman. Uh, he's been in the SEC for quite a while. We can see, uh, don't exactly know how long, but oh, right, right here. Um, 
he came in when President Trump stepped down. I don't exactly know how long he's been in the SEC, but we do see, this is a quote by him, it's essential that the SEC approaches these new challenges in a fair and transparent manner, provide clarity and certainty to the markets and investors, and enforce the laws and regulations that hold market participants accountable. So he wants it to be a transparent system where people can enjoy the exposure of cryptocurrencies and have the ability to invest in them and use them and uh, develop them. And I think with time, that obviously builds on itself because with regulation, you can have funding and you can have developments because it is a space that is safe to invest in. Unlike the Wild West, investors with lots of capital may have a little bit of hesitancy when they are investing in unknown territories. So I think this is a positive thing um, for the SEC having a better approach to try to manage crypto. Yeah, overall, we with this change of power, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the paradigm shifts within the SEC if we are going to see more aggressive advances towards a higher regulatory standard. I think that the next kind of question mark item within the scheme of crypto adoption and reducing the friction for investors would be a Bitcoin tied ETF. Obviously, that kind of instrument has not been approved for sale or investment, but with a pro-regulatory crypto per individual at the head of the SEC, who knows what could happen? Uh, we're at a time where we're seeing a lot of rapid change within how crypto is perceived as an investment, but also how crypto is regulated. So heading into 2021, definitely going to be keeping an eye on this new SEC chairman and kind of how he acts towards cryptocurrencies. So kind of sticking with the vibe of the SEC, we are going to talk about Coinbase because Coinbase is kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place, let's call it, where they do hold and they sell and they facilitate the trading of XRP. And obviously XRP Ripple has found themselves in a lot of hot water with the SEC with their $1.2 billion in unregistered securities. And there's a lot of speculation on the internet that Coinbase is going to delist XRP in order to fulfill their IPO because they have already started filing their confidential papers, or if they will abandon their IPO in light of keeping XRP available on their exchange. There is a lot of speculation going on in terms of what Coinbase is going to do because they're kind of at a point where their hand's being forced. I don't think that the SEC would react very favorably to a company applying to IPO in light that that company is working hand-in-hand -hand with uh, not the victim, but the opponent in a lawsuit that they're actively engaged in. It's a little bit of a weird dynamic, and I think specifically Coinbase is going to eventually have to make a decision in terms of their outlook on XRP within the context of the pending legal case between the SEC and Ripple. Yeah, it'd be interesting also to see if other exchanges might want to pursue the same IPO by going public, they can raise money. Um, so like, let's say if Binance wants to have an IPO and wants to be a publicly traded company, will they have to go through the same process because XRP is in this uh, gray area where you can't really trade it, it's a security, but then it's also on cryptocurrency exchanges and they don't deem it as a security from the company's perspective. So it's definitely a very weird state for XRP, but then also the people who are allowing the facilitation of transaction to occur. So 
Uh, yeah, like Nathan said, it'll be interesting if other companies try to go for an IPO or something or go into new districts or new areas, try to expand their network and expand their clientele base. And they might not be able to because uh, governance in other countries might prohibit the exchange of XRP because, um, yeah, it's theoretically a security, but they're deeming it not. So pretty, pretty interesting to see. And uh, also another thing, obviously, might be uh, very simple to explain, but obviously if there is a lack of exchanges that are being able to transact whatever asset you're looking for with XRP, that's going to be making it less of a demand because obviously if you don't have these major exchanges facilitating trade, trade, there's less volume. So then institutional investors and people who have more capital won't it would be less likely that they would want to use that as their investment vehicle because there's less liquidity, there's less volume, you can't get out, there's less certainty that there will be a buyer if you want to get out, um, and obviously with the regulations. So it's kind of looking a little bit bleak for, uh, for Ripple. We will obviously be covering it, but uh, yeah, Brad Garlinghauser will uh, be maybe trying to relax before his overwhelming 2021 will commence. So we'll definitely keeping, will we be, we will be keeping everyone updated in that regard. The next thing that we're going to be talking about is a Miami mayor exploring the idea of cryptocurrency governance, which is pretty cool. So a Twitter thread said, uh, Miami could be the first crypto-centric government in the United States. Please, someone help Mayor Francis Suarez try to implement some of the crypto-based or blockchain-based technology, maybe in voting or like tokenizing uh, things within the city, like buildings or uh, even like facilities, services. Uh, we don't exactly know, but you can really disrupt a tremendous amount of stuff just by tokenizing because it's not really a security. You can distribute it easier, the efficiency and all that stuff. So it'd be interesting. I think voting itself, uh, that will completely change the way that we vote. Uh, you could vote on your phone. You could vote not with a piece of paper going to a local school that is uh so ancient <laughs> i can't believe that people still we, we still do that but even in canada um we got to go to a local uh like an elementary school or a church or whatever and um still do it piece of paper pen and i think that will change and potentially we can see that uh the mayor of miami could be the shift in america yeah, it'll be interesting to see the kind of implications from having a pro-crypto municipal government because, like you said, there's a lot of applications when it comes to voting, when it comes to real estate ownership, and overall data information systems. So we're going to be keeping an eye on Miami, which is the seventh largest city in the U.S., uh, adopts and integrates this innovative technology into how their local government operates. So keeping in line with the mayor's Andrew Yang, former Democratic presidential candidate, has filed paperwork to participate in the 2021 mayoral race. Uh, this was according to the city records, which are public. And basically, he has stepped down from the federal scene and is looking to lead the municipal government. And he's joining over dozens of candidates, but I think this is definitely one of the bigger names within the realm of applicants who are trying to win that sacred mayor of New York position because that is one of the largest cities in the U.S., and with that comes a lot of weight. And so it's interesting to see when he was running for president, 
the Democratic primaries ended in November. And that was kind of before COVID really took off. And I think that within the context of that, he was pro-UBI. I believe his program was called the Freedom Dividend, where he was looking to provide that universal basic income, pay everyone, cover the cost of living, allow everyone to live comfortably without having to worry about keeping the lights on, toothpaste, food, et cetera, whatever it may be. And at the time, I think he received a lot of backlash. People were apprehensive to that idea. They weren't very warm to it. But now that COVID hit, people have their hand out for that government cash. People are looking for that UBI. And so it'll be interesting to see if that plays into the overall popularity of his campaign towards becoming New York's mayor. Because I think from a society, they, we have all definitely warmed up to the idea of hyperinflating our currency in favor of having more money in the bank account. Yeah, tax against the poor, not really, but the entire nation. Yes, it's just a matter of do you own assets that will appreciate due to the inflation? That's like the big question, and that's let's sound money and, and other forms of uh, inflation-resistant uh, assets could be very beneficial in the foreseeable future. But yeah, very good to see. If you don't know, Andrew Yang is very positive towards cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and implementing it within the regulatory and government uh, bodies for whatever it can benefit. He understands that there's positive attributes of cryptocurrencies, and especially blockchain in that use case. So great to see. I think there will be change, especially in such a uh, major place like New York. That's phenomenal. So I think... To switch gears a little bit, still talking about governments implementing or using blockchain and cryptocurrencies, we actually see Japan uh, start gearing up to launch their own digital currency, which is pretty surprising. Uh, they have been talking about it slowly, but I do see uh, just within the article that, uh, that I was reading, the main reason why they're pushing towards a digital currency is because China is. And they want to keep up. They want to still be able to trade globally. Maybe they want their currency to uh, kind of have the, the, the not showcase it, but um, you know, there's a, there's a massive shift that I think is occurring within if you're looking at global macro, and that would be the dollar is slowly weakening, and then there could be a new world reserve currency, right? China's looking at the digital yuan. They're obviously taking huge strides at surprising speed in order to get that to function, to work, in order for that to potentially be the next world reserve currency. We'll see where it goes. A lot of people are arguing that, that it will, but uh, obviously there's a little bit of trust issues. And then BTC could be also a proponent in becoming the world reserve uh, currency, but we will see how it goes. Uh, but Japan is definitely giving it a try. They said that they are preparing to conduct feasibility studies for its virtual cur currency in 2021, so really next year. Uh, which is not not long from now is when they're actually going to be studying it and and taking tests to ensure that it is a functional uh, currency that can be used to transact for goods and services. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that China's leaps and bounds towards that CBDC is really forcing the hand of almost every other major country within planet Earth. And as we're seeing now, Japan. They even said that it's kind of because of China. And so just like Keith said, that feasibility study coming up in 2021, and just looking a little bit beyond that, they want to create some form of a digital currency uh, in parallel kind of to like Facebook's DM, the rebranded Libra in terms of functionality. 
by 2023. So big changes happening within the global currency markets. And another interesting story that I want to share with you guys is that there is a billion dollar wealth manager, Skybridge Capital. They 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 have 9.2 billion dollars assets under management. And they recently showed some filings that they want to create a BTC fund for accredited investors. It was submitted on December 21st, and it shows that accredited investors can purchase $50,000 or more in Bitcoin in a pooled investment hedge fund. Kind of taking that grayscale approach, but definitely on the larger capital side of things, they're not interested in the retail investors with peasant amount of money, (laughs) let's call it. They're looking for the big bucks, that institutional inflow. And just like that, looks like Skybridge Capital is getting into the crypto game. Yeah, we'll, uh, I think, see more and more institutions open up like separate uh, entities within their fund that specifically targets and focuses cryptocurrencies. I think it'll be a pretty common scene in 2021. And one thing that he did mention that I think is related to the podcast we're talking about today, especially in the front half, talking about the regulata- regulations and the governance that the SEC is cracking down on, uh, he actually views it as a very positive thing. He says blockchain is going to be getting tighter and more reformed and more secure. People are going to have more confidence in it because of the increased security and the reforms that uh, make it easier to uh, be comfortable investing in. For example, like that example we gave in Mt. Gox or the uh, Quadra CX example. If you are using a sketchy exchange, there's less confidence. You're not going to invest $10 million in something that could get hacked. But if you have that structure and that reform and the security, you can invest substantial amounts and still feel confident so at this point he thinks it can't be stopped we see all these institutions build basically uh uh, not assets but they build uh i guess you could say single stocks um they build like BTC, GBTC or the Ethereum fund or th- funds that institutions and even retail people can actually gain exposure in without actually going through the process of buying Bitcoin, transferring onto a hardware wallet or software wallet, whatever you may be. So I would say that this is extremely positive. It's going to be a little bit of a painful process to grow and adopt into for the exchanges like Coinbase and for the tokens and projects that are in that gray area. But I think at the end of the tunnel, it will be extremely beneficial for the overall space. Yeah, 100%. We're entering that time where we're seeing that not necessarily hyper-regulation, but massive leaps and bounds. And with that, it's going to become a lot more influx of fun as people become more comfortable with the scheme of how crypto is set up and how it is regulated. And speaking in that note, we have news that a local Bitcoins trader is facing up to 40 years in prison over an elaborate fraud scheme. The accounts of what he did are never ending, but there is one really interesting uh, component of it that we wanted to share. In late 2017, this was basically the start of the bear market that we saw from 2017 to basically 2020. A scammer posed as an American owner of an oil company pretending to be a big shot and successfully made a 78-year-old female fall in love with them. And the two never met in real life, but she agreed to marry him. 
And it was at this point in time that the scammer uh, explained that his company had suffered some deaths on site, needed money for reparations, pay for fees, lawyers, etc. And um, basically the bottom line was that unless she paid him Bitcoin, he would never be able to return to the U.S. and marry her. And it looks like uh, she bought $100,000 of Bitcoin in cash and transferred the coin straight to the scammer. And it looks like he was just kind of using local Bitcoins to launder money, exchange funds, and overall facilitate fraud between a lot of different parties. And so it looks like he is being charged with money laundering uh, as well as facilitating fraud, it looks like. So this individual whose name is Nedved, and he had a couple co-conspirers, are facing some uh, antagonism from the Department of Justice and might be spending some time behind bars pending the results of their trial. It is definitely, in my opinion, good to see news articles like this because we do always talk about scammers, phishing emails, just terrible people on the internet trying to do bad things. So it is nice to see them go behind bars, serve time, and uh, hopefully they will reflect on their actions that they took when they are laying uh, in the cold cell alone, and uh, I think that's a positive thing. So you got to look at it and say that's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, he did uh, do pretty terrible things, you know, making a person fall in love with you and then scamming them is like pretty brutal. That's pretty savage. Um, that's extremely evil. I would say that uh, 40 years is extremely justified. So I would say that wraps up the end of our podcast. Didn't want to make it too down. I would say that's still kind of on a positive note, especially with the institutional information on the uh, wealth manager potentially creating another fund for BTC. I'd say that's a really positive thing. Thank you again for joining us for the uh, 24th of December, depending, 25th maybe, depending on uh, where you're living. We truly appreciate you tuning in yet again for the 37th podcast where we're talking about Crypto Christmas. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate everyone joining, and I'm going to pass it over on to Nathan to finish off uh, this wonderful podcast. The day is December 24th. It is 3.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are eight hours and 55 minutes away from Christmas. Maybe you're experienced Christmas already. Maybe you're listening to this in 2021. Who knows, but wherever you may be on planet Earth, we wish you the best and take care, everyone.